everybody, and welcome to another episode of History of a Haunting. I am Archie Bays. And I am Carrie Hopper. Wait, that's not right. <laughs> God, we're stupid. We are stupid. Ah, <laughs> uh, wine. <laughs> Let's have a sip. Okay. Okay. Oh, here, cheers. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Yay. Today we are going to do the Velisca Axe Murder House in Iowa. Uh. <laughs> I should have known how bad it was because that's literally what it's called and known as. Mm-hmm. You picked it. I know. You picked it. All right. So tell me, this episode is actually, I'm glad that you chose this because I was talking the other day, I think I posted on the Facebook page and I had mentioned to you and I think Jennifer, pretty much anyone who will fucking listen, I'll talk to. <laughs> um, <laughs> That I've often thought about doing a true crime podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. But the stuff that they talk about, like like in the LaLaurie Mansion, when we did that episode, and like what you're about to talk about with the Velisca Axe Murder House, some of that stuff is just, I, it's... It's still a cold case. It is still a cold case, and it's been, what, 112 years? No, 109, 107? 109. I'm not good at math. 109, 107. Which is ironic because I do math all day long at my job. <laughs> Don't tell my boss. I hope you're not listening. Um, <laughs> but it, it, the folks that do a true crime podcast have put themselves in this space all week long because they're doing their research and then they're recording it and it's I just don't know some of this stuff is just so dark and heavy like this story is going to be really dark this and heavy this is pretty dark and heavy um so I don't, I'm always so impressed by how brave they are and how, how able Definitely. they are to, to stay in this kind of a, a place week in and week out. Uh, and still lead normal lives. And still lead normal lives and be funny and charming. And like, I would be just a total wreck. And all I do is listening to true crime podcasts. <laughs> I love them. I absolutely love them. But it, it has made me be like, I think that guy looks like a murderer. I should walk across. I should walk away from that. That guy totally looks like he's got someone in his basement. Or oh my god, that chick is probably gonna go home and boil her husband's head with that pot she just bought. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's really made me a paranoid fucking idiot. Um, oh wow. Yeah. So that being said, I actually am kind of you know a little a little happy that we are tiptoeing down the true crime road. In this particular story, yeah. um, because it is a, a really um, fascinating story, it is one of the most awful murders that I can think of. Yeah, this is this has not been a treat. Uh-uh. I no. actually went a little further into it than I usually would with things like this. Oh, really? Well, it just lending into the history well yeah i mean and especially when like you we get to do our our research and stuff like you you find an article and then it links to another and another and then before you know it you're in this axe murdery rabbit hole that you can't <laughs> fucking get out of um before i knew it i had six tabs open right <laughs> and where is that music coming from <laughs> anyway all right arch i am gonna sit back and let you tell me about the Velisca murders okay on sunday evening june 9th 1912 joe moore and his wife sarah took their four children herman 11 
Catherine 10, Boyd 7, and 5-year-old Paul to the Children's Day service at the Presbyterian Church. Accompanying them were Lena, 12, and Ina Stillinger, 8, neighbors who had asked their parents' permission to stay overnight with the Moore children. The Children's Day service was an end-of-the-year Sunday school program. Sarah Moore was a co-director, and her children performed their little speeches and recitations Aww. along with the other Sunday school members. The service ended with a social ming mingling that lasted through the evening. When parishioners left on that cloudy, damp, and cool night, no one suspected that neither the Moors nor their overnight guests would be seen alive again. Ugh. The next morning, the neighbors became suspicious, noticing that the usually rambunctious home was dead quiet. They alerted Joe's brother, who arrived to take a look. What he saw after letting himself in was enough to make him sick. Everyone in the house was dead, all eight of them bludgeoned beyond recognition. There was never a doubt regarding the weapon used in the murders. The killer left the washed but still bloody axe, leaning against the south wall of the downstairs bedroom where the two Stillinger girls' bodies were found. Several people who traipsed through the house before the scene was sealed by the police reported seeing the axe in various locations. But this wandering of the murder weapon was undoubtedly explained by ghoulish spectators moving it from room to room as they inspected the premises. Uh, yeah, let's talk about that for a second. No, that's... Okay, so, all right, 1912... Uh, granted, they didn't have, we, you know, yeah. Law and Order episodes to know you don't touch things <laughs> in a no murder scene. no forensic files in 1912. <laughs> but yeah, they were like... I think in my research I had seen that, like... Close to 100 citizens of the town traipsed through that house. Yeah. Touching shit. And I read a part where one of the people grabbed a piece of Joe's skull. Yes. As, I, as I talk saying. about that. Yeah, I talk about that in my portion. And I, I, from what I read, they probably weren't the only ones. That's... I'm, there's no way... There's... There's... I just can't even believe it i just cannot even believe it well here's here's more the killer had added a couple of bizarre touches to the murder scene the killer had added a couple of bizarre touches to the murder scene the first was a four pound piece of slab bacon leaning against the wall next to the axe leaning against the wall yeah ew the murder had also searched dresser drawers for pieces of clothing to cover the mirrors in the house and glass in the entry doors. On the kitchen table was a plate of une uneaten food and a bowl of bloody water, which some have speculated he used to clean his hands and oh, the little okay. bit of the axe. Before he threw the perfectly good bacon on the ground. But yeah, yeah. If I mean, this, as if that? this case was not heartbreaking enough, then you have <laughs> sacrificial bacon. Like, come on. <laughs> sacrificial bacon, that's a great name for a band. Oh, that's our punk band. All right. All Sacrificial right. Bacon. Understood. Cool. All right. When the podcast ends, we'll start our punk band, Sacrificial Bacon. You know, no, neither of us can play an instrument. <laughs> uh, but we have Garage Band, and I'm sure it could help us fake oh, it. Oh, yeah, we can fake it. Totally. Well, all of the victims were found in their beds, their heads covered with the bedclothes, all had their skulls battered 20 to 30 times with the blunt end of the axe. The ceiling in the parents' bedroom and the children's room upstairs showed gouge marks, apparently made by the upswing of the axe. Okay, so he was 
bashing their heads heads in with the axe, the blunt end, and the when he swung up the blade end, the blade end hit the ceiling. Okay, God. Wait, I need another sip. Okay. Cheers. Be filling out this bingo card real quick. <laughs> Okay. Depends on how many squares we put for a break for wine. I really should have made a white Russian for this episode. I don't think Moscato is going to cut it. Go on. My bad. Um, Lena Stillinger's nightgown had been pushed up and she'd been left exposed, but doctors concluded she had not been sexually assaulted. Oh, okay, good. Because Lena, I had read that she had been. Well, I didn't read that, fortunately, for me, because that's yeah, deal breaker. For kids now. Mm-hmm. Um, she did have a blood stain on her knee and what looked like a defensive wound on her arm. Okay. So she knew what was up. She and this back. was one of the, so you said Stillinger One of the kids? Stillinger so she, girls. They were downstairs. Downstairs. In, in the first floor. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, here's, here's, here's a suspect. Um, the morning following the murders, the Reverend Lynn George Jacqueline Kelly left Basilica Villisca, on board a train, and allegedly told fellow travelers there were eight dead souls back in Villisca, butchered in their beds while they slept, he said, even though the bodies had not yet been discovered. Authorities first became interested in Reverend Kelly a few weeks after the murders, after being alerted by recipients of his rambling letters. He was mentally, like, he was mentally unstable, this guy. Didn't they come to find out that he was... That's what we're going into next. Oh. Kelly, an English immigrant who had a history of sexual deviancy and mental problems, even admitted being in town the night of the axe murders and admitted that he had left early in the morning the next day. Through, through, bah, though his small stature and meek personality led some to doubt his involvement, there were certain factors police believed made him the perfect candidate. Kelly was left-handed, which police determined from blood spatters, that the killer must be. He also had a history with the Moore family, as many had seen him watching them while at church and out and, out and about in town. Ah, fuck, no, a dry, a dry cleaner in a nearby town had received bloody clothing from Kelly a few days after the murders. He reportedly also asked police for access to the home after the crime while posing as a Scotland Yard officer. Whoa. Yeah. What? That's like four different levels of crazy going on right there. Okay, wait a minute. So the cleaner said that they received bloody clothes from him a couple of days after the murders? And like two towns over. That's, okay, so he books out of town the morning after the murders, and they were committed, like, around midnight, During 2 a.m. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he bails out of town, but he ships dirty, bloody clothes to the Villisca dry cleaner? No, the cleaner was in a town over. Okay. Oh, okay, I thought that's weird. <clears throat> but, I mean, if this guy was mentally deranged and a sexual deviant, like, why am I, why am I nitpicking where he fucking sent his bloody clothes? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, snort. Come on, come on. It's bingo square. So close. <laughs> a, uh, a grand jury later indicted Kelly for Lena Stillinger's murder, and he was interrogated throughout the summer of 1917. Wait, by... just her murder? Yeah, just hers. Did you find out why? No, I didn't. Weird. Okay. And I mean, this was five years later. While he's in jail, they interrogated him. On August 31st, he... Thir- 
speaking it's hard. <laughs> On August 31st, Kelly signed a confession to the murder saying God had whispered to him to suffer the children to come unto me. Kelly recanted his confession at trial, and his case Ugh. went to a jury on September 26th. The jury deadlocked 11 to 1 for acquittal. A second jury was immediately impaneled, but acquitted, acquitted Reverend Kelly in November. No what? one else. Yep. No evidence, even though everything pointed to, pointed him. to him. It's all circumstantial. And no one else has ever been tried for the murders, and the crime remains one of the most horrific, unsolved mass murders in American history. Holy crap. And I had not heard a single thing about it until you suggested it. As I can't believe ones. you have never, because of course I want to go here. Of course you do. <laughs> so I'm really surprised that you have never heard anything never heard about, it. about it. And while I was researching it, shortly after this happened... Like a wave of similar murders happened across the country. Oh, really? All kind of unconnected, but but similar. But all when similar. Were, are you familiar with the In Cold Blood murders? Of course not. Oh my God, Truman Capote, <laughs> the book In Cold Blood. No. No. No, I might have I skipped that. Don't. Day. My mom would know. Um, those are that. Book Do you think it was inspired about, by? I don't know if it was inspired by, and I'm wondering if it was around the same time, but it's basically very similar. A family hmm. is murdered in the middle of the night in their farmhouse. Huh. But I believe they actually caught those two. Oh. And they were like one of those like bumbling yokel local kind of guys. <laughs> um, but it's funny you say that because that was immediately what I thought of was oh. this family... Well, and, in cold blood. And then this series of similar events across the nation, not really anybody found from what I read. And a lot of people are left wondering if this person, if Reverend Kelly was one of the first mass murderers that we've seen in this nation. Uh, was he in some of those there, towns? I... Because you said it was. he didn't come to trial for five years. Is that he what was, you said? That's he was. He was brought to trial. The trial started five years later. Or five something? years later. Yeah. yeah. Huh. So, it's possible. It's, possible. it's something we'll never know. It is something. When was the World's Fair? Nineteen thirty something. I suppose I could look that up. Okay. Yeah, I'm just thinking because H. H. Holmes, I think, is considered to be one of the world, one of America's first serial killers. Oh. And he, he actually built a hotel in Chicago just to kill people in it. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. I'm telling you what. But that the World's Fair, I want to say, was 1918, 1920, 19... Maybe... I could be way off. Maybe it was in the 30s. I can't remember. But if this guy surpassed him, or, like, beat him to the punch or whatever... 1939 for New York. The Chicago World's Fair. You should see Archie's trying to like maneuver around his microphone. You can take get a picture if you want. I'm going to. We'll put it on our Instagram. Eighteen ninety three for Chicago. 
Okay, so... 400th anniversary of Christopher Columbus's arrival in the New World. Okay, so he was before, that was before this Kelly dude. So, I guess, I guess not. Wow. Huh. But he is suspected... Of some of, of these that. other... At least maybe inspired, because Lord knows Americans are fucking crazy. Yeah, some shit that inspires people, man. That's bizarre. But that's, uh... That's my research. That's what you got. Okay. Um, well, as you can imagine, it's hella fucking haunted. <laughs> of course it is. Of course it is. Uh, let's see here. So now, apparently, <laughs> obviously because of the murders and the horrific nature of the crime, there's actually not a ghostly phenomenon that hasn't been reported at this house. Any type of ghostly phenomenon you can think of, it's happened. Objects mm. moving, EVPs, EMF detectors going off, cold spots, screams being heard, you name it, people getting touched, pushed, you name it, it's wow. happening at this house. And it's still happening to this day. That's crazy. It is very crazy. Um, yeah, disembodied footsteps, uh, just bad vibes. Do you know how you walk into a room and you're like, or a place and you're just like, nope, gotta go. Gotta go. Gotta go. Um, so you name it and the Velisca Axe Murder House has it. Hmm. Yes. So just to kind of give you and our listeners a, like a, a picture of what it looks like to go there today. Okay. Leia is laying here sleeping by us. And she's dreaming. And she's dreaming. She's running. Look at her little paws. Isn't she cute? Look at her. Well, she's really going to town. Oh, she's going for it. Yeah, she's flying. Okay. Um, so it's right in the middle of a residential neighborhood. Okay. Villisca is still a very small town. Very I think small I read town. that it's got like 1,200 or 1,500 residents. Wow. Not very. Yeah, many. I was looking at it on Google Maps. I yeah. I found the Presbyterian Church. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a very tiny town. Um, so the, the neighborhood is, um, it's quaint. And the home has a very cozy exterior, um, which it, it, the if little, you didn't know, the, if little if you white, were, the little white boxed house at the end of the lane. Exactly. And if you hadn't known about this before I told you, and you were just driving through Iowa, you'd be like, oh, look at that cute, cozy, quaint little farmhouse. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it looks like. Um, so now the house itself uh, is the the current owners. I think they bought it in ninety four or ninety six. That Martha and Mister Lynn, I can't remember his name. <laughs> I suck. I'm sorry. Um, Martha Lynn is the one who owns it now because Mister Lynn died in two thousand eleven. Oh, see, so that's why her name is all over everything. Yeah, that's why I don't remember. Sorry, Mister Lynn. Anyway, <laughs> they have kept it in, in pristine condition. They have even pulled out the plumbing and the electric and the electricity, the electrical out of the house because they com- completely converted it back to how it was back in 1912. Oh wow! Yeah, that's a commitment. It is a commitment. It is a commitment. So the house itself, um, again, is pristine condition. Um, there's the sales booth, the gift shop, and the bathroom are located in the old barn on the other side. Um, oh yeah, they didn't have they didn't have a bathroom. Yeah. In the house. Exactly. Yeah. Not an outhouse. So now when you go to visit it, all of that is is in that they've converted the barn to like where you go to buy your tickets and, and the gift shop and, and things like that, gotcha. which has the actual murder weapon on display. 
I also, I came across a, Did you? an entire article, six or seven pages. Oh, God. The history of the axe itself. And where, like, Where all it is. went, who held it, who had it, when it was presented at trial. I mean, it was fascinating. Yeah. I, I almost... Because why just give it to the police and let them keep it lock, under lock and key? Right. No, I mean, I read that one. I'm like, oh, this is great. I'm just going to go from here. And it's like, no. <laughs> no, the axe isn't the story here. Yeah. The axe didn't have a choice in this matter. Right. Yeah. So the actual murder weapon, I guess, is on display. Wow. At, you know, in the little gift shop or whatever. I don't know. Like, what gifts are you buying in this gift shop? Tiny little axes. Tiny little, like, axe keychains? Like, isn't that, like, kind of awful? Skull fragments. I'm going... Oh, God. <laughs> I actually am going to touch on that kind of stuff at the end of my portion. Okay. But, um, yeah, like, what what kind of gifts are you... That, that... Ugh. I'm sorry, but if I go through Velisca Iowa, I don't want to get a Velisca Iowa, like, Christmas tree ornament. I don't... Mm, <laughs> no. Anyway. <clears throat> so... Apparently they have a cork board there and they have photos that are pinned on it. Not of the murder scene. Okay. It's the immediate All look right. on your face. Yes, yeah, thank not you. Crime, <laughs> not crime scene photos. Um, what they are, however, is evidence of paranormal activity in the house. Oh. So oh, yeah. shadow okay. figures, mists, orbs, things like that, that people have taken throughout the years of paranormal activity that they've come across. Wow. Yeah. Um, so uh, there's a snapshot of a picture of a guy whose back had been scratched when he was in the house wow. yeah and i think i i think it's the same person that i'm going to talk about in a little bit but that guy's experience hot no bye Leia's really running for her life i think she's pawing at something yeah she got out the other day oh mm. Yeah, she got out the other day. She is a bad girl. She is, and she man, she took off. Found her on the streets. She's about she, ready to be all about that. Oh, life for sure. Again. That's the thing. Is yeah, she got out the other day and she ran toward the cart- courtyard, and I was like, Leia, treats, treats. And so she came because my dogs, you can't chase them because they'll think it's a game and they'll run away from you even further. So you have to stop and like beg them to come back, basically, or clap your hands or something. <laughs> and they will always come back. They won't ever go very far, but. And then she heard something in the parking lot and she ran out into the parking lot and terrified me. And I was like, Leia, treats, 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 clapping my hands. And she came running back and ran into the house and I like slammed the door behind her and I was like, you don't get treats. That was very bad. You scared me. <laughs> I was just psyching you out. So yeah, mama loves to go to the dog park. She loves to run, but yeah, she got out. Anyway, wow. sidebar nation. Carrie loves sidebars. Welcome to the podcast. Carrie loves sidebars. <laughs> Okay. Oh, and Archie's here. Oh, and Archie's here. Just here to listen to all my fucking sidebar nonsense. Okay. So there are consistent reports of children's voices whispering, crying, and screaming. A lot of people have said that they've caught EVPs of screams of children that probably would have happened when they were murdered. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, objects moving and falling on their own is also a common occurrence, as well as doors that open and close on their own. And these are doors that aren't just like loose on their hinges. They're doors that you have to push and pull open and close will open and close on their own. Wow. Yeah. Um, so again, objects moving, falling on their own and tours have actually been cut short due to these circumstances, these situations. Wow. 
Yeah. It's like, it sounds completely opposite to me of what you would do in that situation. Well, I don't know if maybe it's a safety precaution. Like, you can't really have paying guests get hit in the head by a rogue lamp. <laughs> okay, well, when you put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> So, well, who cares about doors opening and closing? That's a feature. Exactly. Right? <laughs> There's a video um, that you, and I can't remember who did it. It's on YouTube. But I sat and watched it for like, I don't know, five or ten minutes. And they were like, could you please open the door? I'd like to come in. And the door opens on its own. Oh, never mind. I'm sorry. Wow. I don't want to go in. And then the door shuts on its own. And then just back, I mean, on command, this door is opening and closing. That, no way. Yeah. Kind of crazy. Um, so anyway, there are reports of people feeling as though they're being followed through the corridors and shadows that seem to come into view and then quickly disappear. Uh, an evil presence will push you away from the window. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Because the killer did cover windows. Really? Yeah. Yeah, so maybe he doesn't want anybody looking out or looking in there. Maybe that's... They don't want you anywhere near the window. That's interesting. Um, people have been held down. They have been scratched. They have had white light illuminate parts of their body. So they'll be like standing there and there'll be just like a white light illuminating their arm or their leg. That's weird. Or their shoulder. Yeah. I've never heard about that. I've never heard about that either. And obviously there's no, there's no electricity in the house. Right. Wow. And it isn't like somebody's being a dick with a flashlight, like, Ooh, ghosty on your shin. (laughs) You know, (laughs) there it is. Damn it. Check that box, Becca. Okay. <laughs> um, anyway, so... Uh, yeah, so lights, white light appears on parts of your body. Um, people have gotten locked in rooms. Oh, okay. Fuck no. Yeah, see, there's the... Can't have can't have the tour right now. You might get locked in a murder room. with, And then have a lamp come flying at your face. Yeah. Um, now, here's the... The one thing about this entire story that pisses me off, aside from the fact that somebody bludgeoned eight people to death, apparently over the years, kids either in the town or neighboring towns or coming to the town or whatever have actually broken into the house. Oh, for fuck's sake. And played with Ouija boards and conducted seances in the house. What's one theme that continues to run through these stories? Mm -hmm. The worst thing about a haunting is the living people. Yep. (sighs) Mm Mm-hmm. So, um, even going so far as to, like, spray pentagrams on the walls of the house. Fucking stupid. Fucking disgusting. So, as if there wasn't enough ghostly encounters and paranormal activity going on in the house, now it's made worse because now they're playing with the Ouija board. They're having seances. They're summoning summoning demons and shit. Uh. I know, like fucking stupid. Uh, anyway, so they have conducted um, various paranormal investigative groups, things like that. By the way, Ghost Adventures, your friend and mine, Zach Bagans, <laughs> has done an episode. Of course, of course he has. I'll tell you about his idiocy in a minute. But anyway, hang on. So they have conducted spirit box sessions that have. Um, do you know what a spirit box is? No. So a spirit box is along the same lines as an electronic voice recorder, except what it does is it scans various radio frequencies hmm. every quarter of a second. Okay. 
And so basically when you turn it on, it's just like you could turn it on and put it in a room and it's just white noise, almost like the static you hear when you're trying to tune in a radio station. Right. And what it does is it scans these various radio frequencies every quarter of a second it pops to new ones and then what you can what happens is is if there is an entity present and it says something to you it captures it and plays it to you in real time oh that's creepy super creepy but also one of my favorite pieces of equipment that um, i'm sorry tater do you want down what are you doing excuse me hang on wow so we're putting dog interruptions on that now we're car. Yeah, yes. Every well, every time Tater barks is one of the options. I think dog interruption could cover that sufficiently. I think it could too. All right, you need to get down because I'm done. There you go. Bye bye. Okay, I love you, Tater. Okay, um, so that's basically what a spirit box does. It's pretty okay. nifty. It's that pretty is, nifty. That is. It's pretty neat. Um, so anyway, spirit box sessions have captured. Entities in the home saying that they are Reverend Kelly and Legion. Now, Legion. I knew sort of who Legion was, but not entirely, so I looked it up. And in the Christian New Testament Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, those Gospels describe an incident in which Jesus meets a man... Or in Matthew, and um, in Matthew, he meets two men possessed by demons who, in the Mark and Luke versions of the story, when asked what their name is, they respond, quote, My name is Legion, for we are many. Hmm. So more than one demon at a time. Sorry, guys, we had to go let my dogs out because Tater was whining at the door. Okay, we're back. Okay. All right, here we go. So, yeah, Legion, um, my name is Legion for We Are Many. So it, it comes from the Bible and I guess many demons in That's one insane. or, yeah, it gets worse. Oh, of course it does. Mm-hmm. Another one identified itself. Are you ready? Do you want to take another drink? As fucking Dybbuk. Nice. So another one was friggin' summoned. And apparently is in this house. So, here we go back to the guy that got scratched. Now, there's one video that I saw that... It's actually a kind of a popular video in that I've heard other podcasts that have done episodes on this location have seen the video as well. Uh, it showed an investigator seemingly becoming possessed by something in the room. And as it was happening, he said he felt dizzy, he felt really nauseous, um, and then he started smiling and laughing for no fucking reason. Oh. Nobody was talking to him. Nobody was talking to each other. It was kind of quiet. They were just sort of like waiting. You know how you do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so another person asked, why won't the demon here leave? The investigator replied, because I can't. <sighs> the investigator or whatever was in the investigator that they yeah. got possessed with yeah. said because I can't. I think that'd be the last day of my job there. Right? <laughs> Fucking quitting. Bye. Um, 
And then in the video, an orb is seen exiting his mouth. That's crazy. Yeah, and again, it's it's shot in night vision, so you actually see this little like orby ball of light come out of his mouth. Wine check. There you go. Take a sip. Um, later, the guy got so sick and he had to go outside. He took his shirt off, and they saw these scratch marks down his back, like down. Uh, vertically and then horizontally making like an Hashtag. L. <laughs> an L for Legion. Oh. I, that's what, that's exactly where I went. That's... You went with hashtag, which is probably better, but I went, was like, fuck it, was Legion. Oh my god. Again, I, a first... That's my opinion. First I've ever heard right of anything like that. That's crazy. <sighs> yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of stuff where investigators have gotten scratched. Right, they, right. You know, Me shoved, too, but that not kind of thing. like that. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, fucking bye. There's now a new opening in this particular paranormal investigator yeah, group, yeah, yeah. I guess. Um, now, EVPs are exceptionally, um, are, are probably the biggest piece of evidence that people capture in the Velisca house. Uh, so let's talk about those for just a little bit, because when I was doing my research on it, I found out a lot more than they're just, you know... Spirits that you don't hear with your ears and you capture it on a recorder. Okay. Uh-huh. Tater, what can we help you? You want up? Come here. Come here. Um, to get that spray bottle. <laughs> goodness. So, EVP stands for elect- electronic voice. Tater. Stop stands for electronic voice phenomenon they are basically their electronic vocal recordings um they are classed in four different groups a b c and d now i do want to give a really quick shout out a really important shout out to tony rackman and chris allgood of evpi the uh, that is the entity voices paranormal investigation for this information because I actually reached out to them and I said, hey, I've got some questions with regard to EVPs. Can you help clarify some stuff for me? So they gave me this information and it was amazing and wonderful. And so I thank you guys very much um, for helping me out with this particular portion of the episode. So class A recordings are the rarest type. Uh, In most cases, um, you want to publish a class A and class B EVP recording. Class A recordings are very clear. Uh, People in the immediate vicinity can make out the words used by the spirit, and it's heard with your unaided ears. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's almost like there's somebody in the room that you can hear that's talking and you can hear them. So Class A and Class B can vary from person to person. Like, you might hear clearly what is said, but I don't. No, Class A, everybody hears it. Okay, so Class B would be like, you hear it, but I can't make it out until you say what you thought you heard, and then all of a sudden, oh yeah, I, I understand. I can hear that now. No class. Well, sort of. I mean, class B. So we may not hear it in real time, um, but it's heard during audio playback. Right. So those EVPs that my cousin Vicky and I caught at Phelps Dodge were class B. Okay. Um, the first one might have actually been class A, but we didn't know what we were hearing. Because when you listen to it, it's a female humming, and we hear something, because then you hear either me or Vicky. Vicky and I sound very much alike, so we don't even know which one Because I remember said. Vicky said, did you hear that? Yes. And so that might have been considered a class A, 
Um, and then the other one, the voice that said, I won't say, or I won't stay. The second one we caught, we didn't hear that. So that would be a class B. Okay. Um, most cases with class B recordings, you can make out the words after listening to the data for a few times and you shouldn't have to strain to hear the words. Many times class V, class V, there's no class V. It's B. (laughs) Jesus. Um, many times the class B EVP. <laughs> You're right. Words are hard. Letters are difficult for me. <laughs> Jeez, shit. Uh, many times the class B is a name, laughter, screams, ho- growls, or humming. Okay. Um, class C EVPs are also very common, but you don't understand what the ghost says. The recording can sound like whispers or murmurs. You actually have to use very high-powered audio equipment to be able to hear it kind of drown out some background noise kind of a thing Hmm. um class d is usually debunkable noise sounds that you hear or you capture on a recording device most times those aren't even published and they're thrown away as garbage somebody farted right exactly (laughs) or your mind it was interesting too because he said that many times it's your mind matrixing the audio oh really yeah okay which i thought was really cool that is um so anyway if 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 they can't make the data out they generally disregard this type of phenomenon so class a and b is are the most popular class a being the most rare type now i go into all of this because there was an investigative group that went to the Velisca axe murder house and it was like i was telling you earlier um, within six minutes of them starting their EVP session, they caught over 20 EVPs. Holy shit. Yeah. So I um, wrote down here a list of the what I thought were the coolest ones. They heard mom. They heard a whistle. Uh, they heard uh, my mom and dad. Mommy. A growl. Someone said, uh-huh. A deep exhale. This one was a class A. And it was tell the killer that and then it became inaudible. Oh, wow. Yeah. They heard um, a short scream and then this next one was a class A. Tell them. So that's like a combination of the two different The two, the A and B, yeah. Yeah. And also um, active and... You mean uh, the type of haunting? Yeah, the type residual of haunting. And residual and yeah. intelligent. Wow, that's a whole lot of yeah, a whole lot of haunting. A whole lot, and like I said, apparently there is not one type of paranormal phenomenon that this place doesn't have. So I thought that was really interesting. These that different really is. EVPs. Um, there is a video. Oh, there was another video. Oh, this was freaking creepy. That I saw on the lineup, in an article I read about this place on the lineup, and they captured a few EVPs. Um, One was very obviously a child saying, killed us all. And another one was very obviously a deep male voice saying, I hate children. And I was listening to it on my computer and my mom was in here in the living room and I was listening to it and she got really freaked out. She was like, shut that shit off or put your headphones in. I don't want to hear that anymore. Oh, shit. Yeah. Wow. It was scary it was really scary to hear this little child's voice say killed us all and then this very obviously deep gruff baritone man say i hate children plain as fucking day wow really creepy um so that's some of the evps that you can expect to 
experience while you're there. Um, still other experiences include the feeling of heaviness reported around the main stairwell of the house and a strange appearance in the upstairs bedrooms at night. I don't know what that means because everything has been completely recreated in the house the way that it would have looked furniture and everything back in 1912. Hmm. So I don't know what that what that means about the strange appearance in the bedroom at night unless they mean like a strange appearance of like a shadow or mist or something. Well, that's probably... Maybe. Speaking of the shadow and, and mist, apparently the real thrill ride, this article is what it, <laughs> the real thrill ride of a night spent at the Velisca house begins around 2 a.m. It is at this time of night when a train passes through the town of Velisca. The whistle of the train is thought to trigger residual events of the murder that took place on June 10th, 1912. Oh, wow. It's widely believed that the killer's this, like you said, they spent a significant amount of, or this person spent a significant amount of time in the home. Yeah. You can't just, you well, know, they, bludgeon they, eight with... people in five minutes. <laughs> or, you know, ruin a perfectly good slab of bacon or cover the window. Like, they were there for a yeah, while. Yeah, they were there for a while. Um, so it's widely believed that the killer um, used the masking sound of the train to sneak throughout the house and murder all of the inhabitants. Oh, wow, yeah. One by one. Wow. Yeah. So many investigators have actually noticed a light fog fills up the master bedroom and then dissipates, but then the fog goes from room to room. Almost in what you could imagine was the way the killer went through the house. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, Once the fog dissipates, apparently it is followed by the sound of dripping. Which could be considered blood. Ugh. Yeah. Um, so a couple of uh, more recent stories. Uh, excuse me. <clears throat> I need to take a sip. I'm getting parched. <laughs> and my grandma always said a poor excuse is better than none. Clink. Clink. Um, so in the 1930s, a newlywed couple, Bonnie and Homer Rittner, they rented the house for a short time. Uh, until Bonnie told her new husband that she saw the image of a man with an axe standing at the foot of their bed, which happened to be where Josiah and his wife were sleeping. Why? 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 Why yeah. would you rent I don't know. that house? Unless maybe they didn't realize, and I don't think that they did, because this goes circles back to what you said you found in your history portion. So apparently, Homer, the husband, he went to town and he came across someone who came who knew someone who knew someone who knew someone who used to know the Moore family. Oh. This is the person that owned the box that was filled with mementos, including a piece of Josiah's skull. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Jesus, no. Circle complete. Yeah, circle complete. Jeez. Yeah. Usually it's fun when we do that, but not now. Oh. <laughs> So, another couple who purchased the home reported seeing a door open and close by itself. Probably that same door that you... It's not, like, on a loose hinge. It's right. just... Yeah. Um, later, neighbors reported hearing a noise around 3 a.m., looked out their bedroom window to see the couple running down the street in their nightclothes. <laughs> and never I shouldn't back. laugh. I know, but... right? But still, like, that's what I would... Like, if that were... If that, those were the experiences I was having, a man standing at the foot of my bed with an axe... Yeah, I'm not going to wait and call, like, I'm going to jump. You bounce. You're out. Bye. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. 
So years later, two young girls were living in the house, told their parents that they heard sounds of children sobbing and crying during the night. Now, their bedroom would have their dresser drawers open and closed. Like they'd be in the room and the drawers would be closed. They'd come, they'd go out, they'd come back in, the drawers would be open. That kind of situation. Poltergeist huh. kind of shit. Uh, the father didn't actually believe them and, you know, right. wrote it off to them being just, you kids. know, kids, except until one evening when he was sitting at the kitchen table, mm, sharpening his pocket knife and the knife suddenly flew from his hands and across the kitchen floor and stabbed a slab of bacon. And then there was a <laughs> phantom slab of bacon and the house smelled amazing. <laughs> Exactly. You know. See, you know. No, that didn't happen at all. Um, <laughs> what actually happened was he picked the knife, pocket knife back up and continued sharpening it. And As for... if it wasn't just snatched out of his hands? Exactly. Okay. Thank you. Exactly. Thank you. Uh, continued sharpening the knife and for some inexplicable reason to his daughters who witnessed it and to the man himself, he just out of nowhere just stabbed himself in the hand with the pocket knife. What the fuck? And he had no explanation for it. No reason why he would just fucking stab himself in the hand. Now, he then packed up his family and left that night. <laughs> so God only knows how long these poor little girls had to see, like, an axe-wielding family killer before right. your dad was like, oh, shit. Maybe there's something to this. Maybe there's something to this. Now, interestingly enough, these two sisters are the same two sisters that Zach Bagans and his crew interview in their episode about the Velisca house on Ghost Adventures. God, did you hear my eyes roll? I did, I did, yeah. His eyes went so far back, guys, he could have tea with Jesus. <laughs> oh, now there's snort laugh. That would be me choking on wine. <laughs> Thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> but they did. So it was it was interesting because the one girl remembered, like she said that it was like watching her father try not to stab his own hand. It was like his hand was being pulled to try not to, to stab. It was, yeah, she was very shaken and actually had to sit down. The other sister was like, I don't want to be here. Yeah, we're not going to visit this place. I don't want to be here. We're not going to visit this place. Yeah, no. I just mean, FYI. I've only been to Iowa once, and that was on my way to Pittsburgh when I moved there in 98. Mm. And I just yeah. kind of drove through and mm -hmm. was like, it's quaint, it's cute. But I didn't know about the Velisca house at that time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't I don't really. Although, one of my very favorite stories, my grandmother, that pi picture there in the hallway, the entry of my house, mm -hmm. the little brown church in the Wildwood is in Iowa. And I've always wanted to get married in that church. So, if I ever get married, then maybe he'll take me to the Axe Murder House on a tour. Then I know I found the fucking one. Anyway, Archie's like, you're a fucking psycho. Well, yeah. If, 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 if the man you want to marry takes you there, obviously he is he's meant to one. be married. Meant, yeah, he's meant to be the one. Maybe that's the reason why I'm 43 and have yet to find him. Anyway, um... Let's see. Where was I before we I'm got my sad my, state of affairs? Going through my life. wine a lot faster than you are. Except that this is my third refill. This is the last part of my second bottle. Okay, then you did. Catch up. Okay, I'm sorry. Jeez. Um, okay, Slacker. so where was I? Oh, the two young girls. Yeah, so the one sister is is in the episode, and she doesn't even want to be in the house to the point where she's like, "I got, I have to leave," and she apologizes to Zach Bacon. She's like, "I'm really sorry." I'm really sorry that I'm ruining the interview, but I can't be a part of this. 
And he's like, no, 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 that's totally fine. I, I, I absolutely get it. Yeah. Um, so now, Mr. Lin, the, the owner, the one of the owners that passed away, he said that he knew that the spirits of the Moore family were still in the house. There's, they have balls in the kids' room, like bouncy balls. Um, they roll around, and the doors open and bang shut all by themselves. It's a very common occurrence. They don't think anything of it. I mean, they've owned the house since the mid to late 90s. Oh, wow. All of this is just kind of old hat, I guess. Oh. Uh, I don't think I would ever get okay with that. that. I yeah, I don't, I don't even know. Um, he did say that one time he was upstairs and he picked up a handful of quarters off the bed because I guess it's common for people to put money, lay money around the house. Okay. I don't know why I don't, I mean like at the birdcage theater, you're downstairs in the basement area where the poker tables was right. and that's loaded right. with money, but it's poker table. So there's a, yeah, there's, you know there's, I mean? there's, there's a reason. There's a reason. Uh, for whatever reason, people leave money lying around this house. Okay. So anyway, he picked up the handful of quarters off the bed, and um, he started down the stairs. He had the money in his hand, and about halfway down, the closet door went bang, 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 opening and shutting and slamming itself repeatedly. And so he was like, I stopped and turned around and thought, I'll just put this in the sugar bowl. <laughs> yeah. Like... <laughs> we can see you stealing our fucking money. Put it back. Yeah. Wow. Once he did that, it stopped. Oh my god. Mm -hmm. <laughs> For sure. Um, another group had rubber balls that they placed on the floor, and the the balls took off in all different directions. Oh. And what they did was they tested it. So it's wooden floors throughout, and so they put the ball on the floor, and then they would like jump over the ball. Just to see if, like, the floor was uneven and if it would roll or any sort of mo movement. Right. Try okay. to, like, you know, do a control type of thing. Wouldn't move. And then these balls, like, went all over in all, a bunch of different directions. Another man investigating the house noticed something unusual on his cell phone when he got this really strange photo in a text pop up on his screen. Uh, the guy said, I saw that and I thought, what is that? I didn't think too much about it. And then I thought, oh, when he realized the photo appeared to have an image of hands coming down from the ceiling above him. And he didn't take the photo or... He got it as a text message. From who though? But He didn't know. It didn't say. But when he went to go show somebody... He went into the message, and the message was there, but the photo was gone out of his phone. Okay, so maybe maybe we'll visit. <laughs> now you want to see if you get random ghost texts? Yeah, sure, why not? Sure, why not? But after we've had a bottle of wine each. I'm sorry, I'm going to have a go with some Jack Daniels honey whiskey. I had that this weekend. It was amazing, and I really feel like I need the hard liquor to go to a place like this. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Anyway, um, so let's talk a little bit about the incident that happened at the house in 2014. It's very similar to the father who stabbed himself in the hand. Oh, didn't even connect that. Yeah. So there was an investigator who was there with his paranormal team. The man's name was Robert Stephen Larson, and he was 37 years old from Rhinelander, Wisconsin. Um, he arrived with a group of friends for a, quote, recreational paranormal investigation, According to the Montgomery County Sheriff, Joe Sampson, 
Uh, the sheriff said, quote, from my understanding, he was alone in the northwest bedroom and the rest of the party was outside and he called for help on their mobile two-way radios. His companions found him stabbed in the chest from an apparently a f- self-inflicted knife wound. See, I read that and I just thought it was some crazy ass white guy trying to. Make his own mark on the spot. Exactly. But, so they called 911. He was brought to a nearby hospital and then was helicoptered to um, a university medical center in Omaha. According to the police report, the incident happened around 1245 a.m., which is said to be the approximate time that the 1912 murders of Josiah and Sarah Moore, along with their four children and two visiting girls, began. Um, He said that... Yeah, so the the guy said he hadn't had no... By all accounts, there was no reason. He wasn't suicidal. There was no reason why he would just arbitrarily just be like, oh, we're here on a ghost tour, and stab himself yeah, in the so chest. Yeah, so story is don't carry a knife in this house. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. So I read, I read that first, and then I read the story about the father stabbing himself in the hand, and I saw that Ghost Adventures episode, and I was like, oh... Oh, yeah. Wait a minute. I, see, I didn't know. Look at that connection. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Um, the sheriff did say that he had been on the county police force since 1992 and sheriff for the last six years. And this was in 2014. He may not be the sheriff anymore, but he, at this point he was. He said he's never been called out to the house for any emergencies in the past. And he refers to the town as just your basic small town Iowa farming community. The one time that he is. Wow. Yeah. And the father that stabbed himself in the hand with a pocket knife, he didn't call police. He was just like, I'm fucking out. Let's go. Everybody pack your shit and we're out of here. Well, yeah. I mean, a stab I mean, it was to a the stab hand. the hand, but Not to, to the, the chest. chest. Weird. Just weird. There's just no explanation for it. And the guy who stabbed himself was like, I have no idea why I did that. Wow. So, yeah. Okay. So, never mind. Yeah. About so, that trip. <laughs> Right? You vacillate. You're like, we're going to go. We're not going. Okay, we might go. Okay, now we're definitely not going. <laughs> That's Story just. Of my life. Yeah, but you know what? This house is just. Mm. I, you know, my hat's off to the people that investigate it because there's some no, fucking dangerous shit. shit. If you're not getting hit in the head by a lamp, you're not, you know, having closet doors bang in your ear because you're stealing the ghost money, you're stabbing yourself in the chest. So. Okay then. Apparently, since this incident, the town has drawn even more attention. Of course. Which, you know, that makes sense. As it does. As it does. Um, However, the owner, who's now Martha Lynn, she says that they've been inundated with media inquiries. And she hopes that they... She's like, I hope that they'll end soon. Again, this was five years ago, so I'm sure by now it has. Until you get a podcast fucking dredge it all back up again. Sorry. Um, she said this quote, this particular incident has been very upsetting. It's publicity, but it's not exactly the kind of publicity you desire to have. I don't want people thinking that when they come to the Velisca Axe murder house, something's going to happen that's going to make them do something like that. I want them to have a good experience from the house, learn about the history. And if something paranormal comes about, then that's one up for them, I guess. I can see her point. Like that had to be a really horrible a really horrible thing. Uh, anyway, so I'm going to end my part <laughs> on a couple of notes. Um, there are varying opinions um, amongst the town people about this house. Oh, yeah. Well, small town. <sighs> For sure. Everybody's going to talk. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody has an opinion, but it seems like the town is kind of divided one of two ways. 
The first way comes from a guy who is a tour guide for the Axe Murder House. His name is John Hauser. And he says, quote, what happened is horrible. I wish it never happened. I hate this place, but it's history. We've got to remember that these kids need to be talked about. To me, that's super, that's just super important. I make sure that it's not exploiting whatsoever and done with full respect and honor to the family. However, there's the other side. (laughs) Many are bothered by the tourists and the ghost hunters who come to the two-story white frame building dubbed the Villisca Axe Murder House for tours or even to stay overnight. Uh, Susie Anderson, and I'm probably saying that wrong, but she was the former mayor of the town. And there's like 1,200 people that live in this town. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about 80 miles southwest of Des Moines. But anyway, um, the former mayor, Susie, said, quote, I would like for it to be over. I would like the people to rest in peace and not have all this ghost discussion. Yeah. Um, the owner, Martha, again, says she doesn't understand why some people question whether her tourist attraction is respectful or not. She said, I don't have any qualms about that. It was 100 years ago. I get a little tired of people asking that, frankly. Here's the thing that everybody in the town can agree on. The murders that once tore the town apart are apparently now what hold it together. Oh. Uh, much of Velisca's businesses are empty. But the Velisca Axe Murder House provides a steady stream of tourist revenue to the town. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's like... Mm, double-edged sword. It's a tiny little town in the middle of fucking nowhere, Iowa. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I I, I get it. It, It's kind of like, it's kind of like uh, Tombstone. You know, Mm -hmm. these these places, the birdcage, they they come for this. And and, and it's the, the tourism that they have generated from, you know, that recreation of the oak the fight at the OK Corral, like that's, that's the town's revenue. They leave, it lives and breathes by its tourism. Unfortunately, the only piece thing bringing tourists to the town is this horrible, horrible place where horrible things happen to people. And one house in a small town Mm -hmm. in the middle of nowhere. Exactly. Exactly. So it's, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I kind of fall because I'm into this kind of crap. <laughs> I kind of fall in line with the tour guide and with the owner. Like it was a hundred years ago and it, it is history. And people, but I, people like it. People like it. I mean, what do you think? Do you think it's disrespectful to the people that died in that home or? Well, I, mean, I tend to agree at yeah. the same time. I mean, it is disrespectful, but so were the hundred townspeople who traipsed all over the house the day after it happened. And collected shards of the dude's Bone skull. fragments. People are disrespectful. We will always be. I think they're trying to do it in such a way that it's preserving well, now, the home. Now, yeah. Like, I sure. definitely think the owner is, is using the money to keep it, you know, she restored it back to exactly the way it looked in 1912. Um... So anyway, to that end, if you'd like to help her do that, yeah, yeah, let's for talk sure. about how you can visit the Velisca Axe <laughs> Murder House. Um, the home is open for tours. You can visit the home's website at www.velisca, that is V-I-L-L-I-S-C-A, Iowa.com. Now, day tours are closed for the season. Um, overnights, however... 
Booking for 2020 um, started on October 21st. Overnights are year-round. Now, overnight pricing is $428 for groups of one to six people. Holy shit. Yeah. She's not just maintaining that house. Right. Anything over six people is $75 per person. Oh. Um, there is a $200 refundable, de- non-refundable, sorry, non-refundable deposit that has to be paid when you book a date. This deposit go- does go toward the full amount due, but you cannot book until you can pay the deposit. Now, day tours are closed for the season as of November 3rd, but they are going to pick back up sometime next year. Uh, if you want to book and pay your deposit, you can call Martha Lynn, the owner, directly at area code 712 621 one five three zero, or you can email her at d m as in Martha Lynn L I N N at wildblue.net. Now, I was curious, so I checked out their calendar because you can go <laughs> to their calendar and see what dates are available. This place, Archie, <laughs> even in November, they were booked for overnight groups. 23 out of the 30 days in November. Yeah, okay. And one of those days was Thanksgiving today, and the other one was um, Veterans Day. They were closed. Closed on holidays, so... Wow. Yeah. And December weekends are already full. They haven't opened up the 2020 calendar yet, but I was just kind of curious. Like, how many people are paying $430 to spend the night in this house... Apparently a fair amount. A fair amount of people. Wow. She made almost $10,000 in November alone just for overnight tours. And all she did was buy a haunted house. And all she did was buy a haunted house. I mean, and like like I said, you know, she ripped out the electricity. She ripped out the plumbing. So Mm -hmm. there's none of that that she's having to maintain. Exactly. I mean, obviously she's having to maintain electricity in like the barn where the gift shop and stuff like that are. But pennies. And then people go to Villisca, and then they go to restaurants, and they go to, you know, I mean... Hotels. It's, and, it's yeah, yeah, their tourism, like, you, you gotta understand. It's not far from Omaha, either. Mm-mm. Yeah. So, anyway, Jeez. that is what I've got on the Villisca Axe Murder House. We might be in the wrong line of business. <laughs> uh, we... My mother has joined us, and... and gave me uh, a, a look, look I'll never forget. A look, yeah, a look. You don't have to live there. Yeah, we're not gonna ask you to live there. Because there's a guy with an axe that stands at the foot of your bed. If you live there. Yeah, we wouldn't live there either. Mm-mm. Oh, we may be dumb, but we're not stupid. Yeah. <laughs> we may oh. be bad at words and letters and numbers, but oh, we're not okay. stupid. That's funny. Anyway, guys, um, that's going to do it for us. I have a turkey that I'm pretty sure I started to ruin, and hopefully we saved it, so i got to go check on that. <laughs> uh, we, uh, it is Thanksgiving Day. We are doing our little recording on, and yeah, so that was the Velisca Axe Murder House, because nothing says Thanksgiving like an axe, axe murder. murder. <laughs> uh, anyway, thank you so much, and please, please, please stay and listen to um, our brief ad for our sponsor love heals rescue uh also follow us on facebook instagram and twitter at hoah podcast if you have any questions or location suggestions or if you've been to the Velisca axe murder house oh yeah for, for sure. sure email us at hoah podcast at gmail.com
Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Love you. Bye. Love Heals Dog Rescue is a nonprofit organization that believes every dog in need deserves a second chance at a new life. Love Heals wants to partner with the community to help as many dogs as possible find loving homes while also helping dogs in need in the area, such as providing a last litter program where the mother dog is fixed and returned or adopted and all of the puppies are fixed, examined by a vet, microchipped, and adopted out to help with the overpopulation of dogs in the area. Love Heals Dog Rescue cannot continue to help the community without a dedicated foster network. Please consider becoming a foster and visit lovehealsdogrescue.org. Or find them on Facebook by searching Love Heals Dog Rescue. Help Help us us be be a part part of the the solution. solution.